This week's two-parter is an adult story for mature listeners. If that's not your cup of tea, or there are youngsters listening, you can skip these and there'll be new stories for you next week. You're listening to The Voice of Dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is the first of two parts of A Minotaur's Tribute by Stink Dog, who has been writing gay anthropomorphic smut for nearly 14 years, and you can find more of his stories on So Furry. Please enjoy A Minotaur's Tribute by Stink Dog, part one of two. A bright sky dotted with clouds hung above Kaldar Pass, a dirt road used by merchants and religious folk to travel between cities in the kingdom of Taros. On this day, two brown horses pulled two canvas-covered wooden carts, slow and steady as tortoises, down the well-used path. Four guards flanked the caravan, two to a side, each on a horse of their own. Sigmund, one such guard, sat idling on his horse as the drivers kept their leisurely pace, It was seen as a great honour to guard the caravan, and Sigmund had been lucky enough to have been chosen the past three years in a row for the duty. This would be his fourth. The supposed honour didn't make the job any less tedious and dull. The round trip could have been completed in just half a day, but Scripture dictated that the pilgrimage be a much longer affair. Sigmund's male armour rattled as he lifted his leather water pouch to his lips. He had been a member of the guard for almost ten years, and being nearly forty made him one of the oldest foot soldiers in the company. Under normal circumstances, he would have been offered an officer's position long ago. However, being born without a father made him unfit for a position of leadership, according to a royal decree. By all rights, Sigmund was lucky to be a soldier at all. Be that as it may, his comrades had never looked down on him for it, and truth be told, Sigmund wasn't the least bit interested in a promotion. It would have been nice to not be assigned this pilgrimage every blasted year, though. He looked to his right at the elderly man driving the cart. Next to him sat a young woman, and they were both clad in white religious robes for the event. Sigmund didn't know them, as the guards did not often fraternize with members of the church. The carts they were driving carried food, mostly fruit, and vegetables— but there were also the skinned and dressed carcasses of small game animals such as rabbits and chickens. The young woman beside the driver turned and smiled at him. Sigmund gave her a polite nod in return before turning his attention forward. The hours dragged on as the caravan moved ponderously down the road. Sigmund stifled a yawn. He knew there was still a fair bit of distance to travel, and it was proving difficult to remain alert. He thought about how happy the kingdom would be upon their return and how delicious the feast would taste. His fellow soldiers would salute him for a job well done, and they would all drink until the dead of night. Perhaps he would be able to convince his fellow guard Nathaniel to spend some time alone with him. The younger guard had been on Sigmund's mind for quite some time, and he often found it difficult to concentrate when Nathaniel was nearby. His thoughts were turned to lewd fantasies of the younger guard's toned, hairy body pressed against his own as their tongues rolled around each other. He adjusted himself on his horse as the crotch of his pants became uncomfortably tight, making him grit his teeth. It had been too long since he'd been able to relieve the tension in his loins, and this pilgrimage duty was just another thing preventing him from doing so. Still, he couldn't help but think of Nathaniel's round-ass cheeks grinding against his throbbing bulge. 
A loud whooping noise erupted from the woods to the left, a short distance from the road, and Sigmund looked up to see the guard ahead of him turn her horse to face the sound as she drew her blade. He looked towards the woods in time to see a group of brigands burst from the foliage, bearing down on the caravan with frightening speed. An arrow flew past Sigmund's face and buried itself in the caravan driver's head. Sigmund gripped the hilt of his sword, but only had time to yank it halfway out of his scabbard before a stone struck the side of his helmet and sent his senses reeling. His steed bolted, forcing his boots to slip from the stirrups, and the world turned sideways as he fell from the horse. Sigmund's eyes barely had time to register the wooden corner of the cart, swiftly approaching his head before he collided with it and was thrust into a sea of blackness. Sigmund was slapped awake. He grunted and reluctantly opened his eyes, expecting the worst, which was very nearly the case. He'd been stripped of his armor, and most of his clothes for that matter, and was leaning up against one of the wheels of the cart he'd been guarding. His wrists were tied behind his back, and the coarse rope dug into his flesh when he tried to move. The bandit who had slapped him was wearing Sigmund's mail and pointing the guard's own sword at his neck. The man's face had rough features, scarred and unshaven. One of his eyes was grey and glassy, probably from a prior injury, while the other was brilliant blue, and his expression was a mixture of pride and frustration. Sigmund could tell the other brigands were rooting through the carts nearby, even though his back was to them. The bandit leader, he assumed he was the leader anyway, gently dragged the blade of Sigmund's own sword down his chest, through his rough body hair until it was pressing firmly into his pudgy belly, just above the waistband of his pants. While it wasn't enough to draw blood, it wouldn't have taken much effort to spill Sigmund's guts all over his lap. Two of my boys are dead,' the bandit leader said, "'and all we've got to show for it so far is a handful of jewellery and a cart full of food.' "'Bad luck,' Sigmund replied, gritting his teeth when he felt the pressure of the sword-point increase slightly against his skin. "'Do you value your life? Give me one good reason why I shouldn't cut open your belly right now.' However holy, the sanctity of the pilgrimage wasn't worth Sigmund's life. Our destination is your answer, he said. There is only one place we could have been going this time of year. The brigand glared down at him, his face a mask of confusion. Don't try my patience, bootlicker. What are you talking about? A glimmer of hope. If he told the bandits about the cave and the riches within, maybe they would let him go. You must not be from these parts. There's a cave several miles from here, a temple really. We were on our way to deliver these offerings, but there are many more treasures within. The brigand's lips turned upward in a grin. Good answer, he said, as he lifted the sword from Sigmund's skin and sheathed it in its scabbard. Uh, Am I free to go? The criminal laughed harshly. Do you take me for a fool? Absolutely not. You are going to lead us to this temple. If you don't, I'm sure one of my boys would take very great pleasure in separating your head from your shoulders. Sigmund gulped as one of the boys in question yanked him upwards onto his bare feet and pushed him toward the front of the carts. All right, gents, we're going to get the real haul now, the leader barked. Sigmund noticed that the seven other bandits were actually fairly young and typically clothed in what looked like scavenged and looted clothing. Very few of them had any actual armour to speak of. 
the element of surprise was probably the only reason they had been able to take the caravan at all. Sigmund grimaced at the bodies that lay strewn about the carts and shook his head. The religious clergy had been slaughtered. The robe of the young girl in the second cart was ripped open, leaving her topless, but that hadn't stopped the felons from gutting her like a fish. Two of the three dead guards had only been fresh recruits. If Sigmund survived this, he would have to return and give his travelling companions a proper burial, as well as warn the king that the tribute never arrived. The bandit threat was a mere trifle considering what actually lurked in the temple. The leader fell in line behind Sigmund and pushed him down the road. No funny business now, the criminal sneered. Sigmund knew that he would be dead before he took two steps if he tried to run, so he obediently took the lead as the brigands marched in a clustered gaggle behind him. Some of them had gathered what little riches had been in the first cart, and others had stuffed their packs full of food and game from the second. Even bandits had to eat, after all. But for all the leaders boasting about his intelligence, they hadn't left a single horse alive. Idiots! It was several hours before they arrived at the temple entrance. As Sigmund had said, it was a cave, but the opening was adorned with ornamental wreaths and bronze basins filled with scented oil. Two stone statues of bulls sat on either side, covered with religious candles that had dripped wax over the sides of each bovine. The horns were tipped in gold, and some of the bandits rushed over to try to pry them off. Normally the offerings would be blessed at the basins before being taken into the temple's ritual annex and left for the beast to claim whenever he saw fit. The pilgrims never stayed to witness it, of course. Only once had a group been so late with the tribute that they had actually glimpsed the creature, and they had fled too swiftly to remember an accurate picture of it. Sigmund knew that this time they were already late by more than an hour. There's your temple, he said. Now, let me go, please. The leader of the bandits took the knapsack off his back and pulled out some vegetables and two rabbit carcasses. He chuckled softly to himself as he began tying the food to Sigmund's arms and legs. What are you doing? I'm not as stupid as you seem to think, he said. All manner of beasts live in caves. So you're going to be some bait for us while we steal the treasure. If there is no treasure, then whatever lives in there can kill you while we look for all I care. Sigmund gritted his teeth as he was shoved toward the gaping black maw of the cave. The cool, damp air from inside drifted outward, kissing his bare flesh as the leader marched him inside. Two bandits behind them had lit torches to illuminate the dirt floor and stone walls of the cavern, something that Sigmund was thankful for at least. The air had a musty smell, and it only became cooler the further into the cave they went. Eventually, the dirt floor gave way to stone steps, and then to a moderately sized room carved out of the stone. Sigmund had been here before. This was the ritual annex. An empty altar sat in the center of the room on a circular dais, flanked by two stone braziers that burned brightly. The only other exit to the room lay on the opposite side of the altar, a large, wide-open hallway that disappeared into darkness. The group passed the altar and continued into the depths of the temple. After a while, the flat, carved passages split into two, one heading to the right and the other going straight. The bandit leader pushed Sigmund forward into the straight path. Keep going that way, bait. We'll take this other route. And don't think of turning back, because two of my boys will be waiting here to kill you if you do. 
How can I keep going if I can't see anything? Sigmund asked. The bandit leader cut the rope that secured Sigmund's wrist. Feel your way forward, then. I don't care. Sigmund himself, as he trudged forward, keeping one hand on the left wall. He glanced behind him, and sure enough, two of the bandits were waiting at the intersection, one of them holding a torch. Sigmund crept forward until he was certain that he was out of range of the light before he started to untie the rope holding the food to his arms and legs. He tossed the food down the dark passage ahead of him before he turned around to wait. His skin probably still smelled like a dead rabbit, but at least he wouldn't have the bait flopping against him if he had to move. He crouched in the darkness and watched the two brigands as they guarded the intersection. His only hope was that the beast wouldn't come from behind him. He needed to distract the bandits so he could make his escape. He waited there for what seemed like ages as the bandits paced back and forth. Then he heard the first scream, echoing from deeper in the temple. The sound of distant fighting followed for a brief moment before several more gurgling cries drifted from the blackness, and then silence resumed. Sigmund's heart raced in his chest, pounding against his ribcage as if it was trying to break free. It was impossible to tell where the sounds had come from, and the two brigands were shifting on their feet as if trying to decide whether they were more afraid of their leader's wrath or whatever lurked in the darkness. Come on, flee, you cowards, Sigmund whispered to himself. They didn't get a chance to decide. A massive, man-shaped, hoofed beast charged into the intersection too fast for either bandit to react. There was no way Sigmund was going to get around the monster now. It was silhouetted in the torchlight, but Sigmund saw the horns protruded from its head as it snapped one bandit's neck with ease and grabbed the other before he could flee. Sigmund didn't stick around to watch what became of the final criminal. Against his better judgment, he turned and ran as fast as he dared to toward the blackness of the temple. He had no other choice. Distant, clopping hoofbeats reached his ears and Sigmund pushed himself to run faster into the inky blackness around him. Maybe he would be able to outmaneuver the monster in its own den. As he ran through the darkness, Sigmund hoped he wouldn't run face-first into a stone wall before his eyes adjusted, but he couldn't stop with the horned beast chasing him. Luckily his eyes adjusted to the dim light after a few moments of blindness. At a four-way intersection, he turned left, and at the next choice, he went right. The slapping sound of his bare feet against the stone echoed through the halls as he made another right and found himself at another four-way intersection. He had completely lost track of where he was in relation to the entrance, and the heavy hoofsteps in the distance were slowly getting closer. Damn, 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 he said as he ran down the left path. The hoofbeats of the beast were still quite a ways behind him, though they were getting louder by the moment. Sigmund's foot caught on a broken piece of the stone floor, and he fell forward, barely managing to shield his face from the painful landing. His toes stung, but he tried to stand anyway and keep going. The clopping hooves had all but stopped, and now slowed to a walking pace that was very nearby. Sigmund hobbled forward on his wounded foot and screwed his eyes shut in preparation for the monster's killing blow. Sigmund's heart leaped up into his throat when a large, rough, human-like hand grabbed his shoulder and pushed his back firmly against the wall. This was the first of two parts of A Minotaur's Tribute by Stinkdog, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. Tune in next time 
to find out if Sigmund survives his encounter with the Minotaur. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.